good. Great to have you today. I want to ask you to do this. Would you turn to Matthew chapter number 13? Turn to Matthew chapter number 13. I'm going to preach a message today. In fact, we're going to start a new series today called This Is Us. This Is Us. And here's what's going to happen. Over the next five weeks, we're going to focus in on our values, our core values. Now, I'm talking about the core values of the church, but what I believe is over the next few weeks, you're just going to allow values to just become paramount in your life. And you're going to discover what do I believe and why do I believe what I believe. Is that okay? So let's begin to dig in. Talk about who we are and what we believe as a church. So we're talking about Grace Chapel, but I want to really let you know this is going to apply to your life as well. And, and so we're going to talk about this is us, and each week we're going to present a new value to you. Values are important. I found this quote by, by Dr. John Maxwell, and he said this, Your core values are the deeply held beliefs that authentically describe your soul. They describe your soul. In other words, your values describe who you are. Tell me your values and I'll tell you who you are. So that's why values are so important. They determine who we are, our culture. It's our value system. So maybe you've never thought about what is it in my life that I really value? What is my treasure? I'm not talking about possessions and different things that you find lying around your house. I'm talking about my belief system. What are my core beliefs? What are my core values? They make up your spiritual, listen to this, your spiritual DNA. And so it's very important for you to know your values. And as a church, for you to come to Grace Chapel... Many of you have been coming for years and years and, and some even from the very beginning, from the very first start of our church back in 2005. And so you know what we believe, you, you understand, but I, I maybe never have said it to you like I'm going to say it to you over the next five weeks. These are five core values that we believe as a church. So let's dig into them. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is telling some parables. And he tells a couple parables here that I want to highlight, just actually one in particular, Matthew chapter 13, look at verse number 45. He talked about first in verse 44, the treasure that's hidden in the field, but in verse 45, he tells a very similar parable, and it says this, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus is teaching and he's teaching multitudes and and he says this, that the kingdom of heaven, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like a merchant who is seeking. He's actually looking, he's actively looking for beautiful pearls. And so he is going from town to town, from place to place, from location to location. And maybe he traded in other jewelry. Maybe he traded in other fine jewels, but he was looking for a particular pearl. He was looking for what the Bible says was the pearl of great price, this perfect, perfect pearl. And this parable perfectly describes value system. Here is a man who who had, had placed such a value on a pearl of great price that he was willing to sell all that he had in order to obtain it. 
And Jesus' understanding of this parable and the reason why he's teaching is to teach us this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable to us that we would be willing to leave everything else behind in order to gain the kingdom. This describes our values. And here's why. Because the transaction of time and money The transaction of time and money determines our values. This is how our values are determined. They are determined by the value of our time, or I should say the transaction of our time and the transaction of our money. I can tell more about a person by looking at their bank statement than I can ever tell about about what they say. So you could say, well, I believe in this, right? I believe in this. But if your time and your money don't back it up, you really don't believe even the words that you say, right? It's value systems. So I have to take an inventory of my life and say, what do I spend my time on and what do I spend my money on? Those two transactions determine the values of my life. How do we know that this man was a merchant? Because he spent his time, right? looking, and he spent his money buying. And so that determined his values, right? And what you spend your time on, what you spend your money on, that determines the values of our life. So, uh, so, so myself included. So as we take an inventory of our church, we're going to look at, okay, what is it that we value? What is it that we value? My wife and I, we have a different set of values on some things. Now, thankfully, when it comes to raising our kids and when it comes to church, when it comes to the word of God and, and our beliefs, our doctrine, what we believe, we're all on the exact same page. But there are other things that she values that I don't value or I'll value that she does not value. In other words, let me give you this example. When my wife and I go to theme parks, we're on different planets, We do not theme park the same way. I theme park like this. I am going to be the first one there and the last one to leave because I'm going to get my money's worth. Can I get anybody like that? I want to be the first person in the parking lot. If I get there and other people have beat me there, I've lost. I've already lost. And I go to theme parks to ride roller coasters. I go there to ride rides. I do not go there to see shows. I don't go there to eat. I don't go there to enjoy myself as far as just strolling and walking around. I'm not window shopping. Who shops at a theme park? I don't buy anything at a theme park. I go there to ride rides. Why? Here's why. Because I value speed. I love it when it goes fast. It can't go fast enough, flip me upside down, spin me around, but just get me moving fast. I value the thrill and excitement that comes from speed. My wife, she values her own survival. So she will not get on a roller coaster. She won't get on the Ferris wheel. She won't get on the teacups. She won't get on anything that moves her faster than she wants to move. Right? That's why I don't go to Disney World. Ain't no good rides at Disney World. Yeah, some of you are small world people. That's your, that's your ride. You like the little small world. That's not for me, right? You're in a boat going half a mile an hour. That's just not for me. 
I want some dragon dueling. I want to spin. I want to do that, you know. I, I took my son over the summer, my seven-year-old son. I took him to Bush Gardens. And I said, baby, there's this, there's this roller coaster called the Cheetah. Do you want to get on it? He didn't know anything about it, right? He's seven years old. I know he's skittish. He's a little bit skittish when it comes to rides. And I, he goes, is it scary? No, babe, this is good. This is a good ride. You'll love this one. So we get on the Cheetah, and they strap us in. And I could tell the look on his face. He is, he is not happy. He's not happy. And so the thing starts moving, and this ride moves you. It's one of the longest roller coasters in Florida. And we're just going for it. And I hear him right next to me going, stop the ride. Stop the ride. Dear God, stop the ride. You know, he's praying, you know. I thought he's about to get baptized in the Holy Spirit right here on the roller coaster. Desperate, right? And so you call that child abuse maybe. And maybe it is. I don't know. But he survived. And and so we won't tell anybody. So, so. We're on this roller coaster. We're just having a great time. And I said, baby, let's go back to Bush Gardens. He's like, dad, I am not getting on that cheetah ever again in my life. He said, $1 million, you can get me on that cheetah. I said, all right, man, we'll see. I'll write you a check. Hallelujah. So we have different values, some people. And our values are shaped by our willingness to spend time and spend money. Spend time and spend money. That is the transactions of our life. So I want to give you our first value as a church, all right? This is the first value. Now, I'm going to go five in this series, and, and really, there are no particular order except this one. Hear me now. This one is the most important. This one sets the tone for the other values. This one sets the bar. This is the standard. And our first value as a church here at Grace Chapel is biblical authority. Biblical authority. That we see our world through the lens of the Bible. Now watch, as as we unfold every other value here at the church, and I hope every value in your life, that you would look at your life and say, yes, my life is founded on the principles of God's word. We have said this time and time again when it comes to the word of God. If we see it in the word of God, we ought to see it in the church. Can I get an amen for that? And if we don't see it in the word of God, then let's not see it in the church, right? So everything that we do, our life should be formed and shaped around the lens of God's word. What I mean by that is this. So I have glasses. So when I take my glasses off, things go out of focus, right? So I don't put anything between my eyes and the glasses if I want my, my, the, the things that I'm looking at to come into focus, So that means when I take the word of God, when I have the Bible, that means that I have the Bible as my lens. That means that I see my world, watch this, through the lens of the Bible. That means that I'm not trying to shape, right, the Bible to fit my experience. Come on now, I said I'm not trying to shape the Bible. I'm not determining the truth of the Bible based on my experience. I'm determining the truth of my experience 
based on the word of God. Do you see what I'm saying? Let me give you this example. If I am sick in my body, that is my experience, but that is not truth. The truth is the word of God that says that I am healed. So listen, what is true? Is it the word of God that says that I'm healed or the feelings that are in my body that says that I'm sick? Listen, if I shape the word of God according to my experience, and I'll say this, well, the word of God says that that I'm healed, but my experience is telling me that I'm sick. One of them has to be true. So if the word of God says that I'm healed, my choice as a Christian is to say, well, then this is truth. I am healed. My experience needs to change. The word of God doesn't change. Can I get an amen from somebody? So that is what we believe as a church. It's foundational. And listen, I believe that with all of my heart. It is the truth of God's word. It is how I conduct my life. That I would look at the word of God and I would say, this is truth. This is truth. You know, there is such a thing as as what we call absolute truth. Absolute truth. There's, There's absolute truth and then there's relative truth. Absolute truth is this. Something is true all the time, every time. That means that two plus two always equals four. That is absolute truth. In any culture, in any language, it does not change based on circumstances. It does not change based on feeling. Two plus two in every culture, in every language, in every circumstance, in every age is always four. But then there are some that say, well, there's relative truth as well. Relative truth changes based on how I feel, my my circumstances, my, my experiences, my upbringing. What I was taught is right and wrong, right? See, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. Let me read it to you from the Amplified. It says this, it is given by divine inspiration and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience. Listen, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's word. Listen, both publicly and privately behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, teach the word of God. Here's why you teach the word of God because it is the breath of God. Hebrews says it is living, right? That means that this book does not just fit into one culture. It fits into every culture, every age, every generation. It never gets outdated. And the reason why is because it is a living book. It is literally the breath of God. It's the word of God that determines right and wrong in my life. It is absolute truth. It is not relative truth. There is those out there in today's society that will tell you, no, this book's outdated. It's, it's only relative truth. Listen, maybe that was true a 1,000 years ago, or maybe it was true 2,000 years ago, but it's no longer true today. We've evolved. It's no longer applicable for our life. I'm here to tell you that this book doesn't evolve. This book is solid. It is a foundation. It is the core of what we believe. Everything at Grace Chapel, Every belief that we have is based on the word of God. It determines right and wrong in our lives. Amen. Amen. 
Listen, I remember there's a, there's a famous uh, Christian apologist, in other words, one who defends the truth of God, his existence in the word of God. And his name is Dr. Ravi Zacharias. And he was giving a lecture. And in this lecture, he would, he would open up the floor for questions. And a young man came to the microphone and, and he said, why can't you just believe that people can determine their own right or wrong? Why can't you just determine that? Why can't you just say that people can determine truth for themselves? I trust society. Why don't you trust society? And Dr. Ravi gets to the microphone and he looks at the young man and he says to him, do you lock your doors at night? And the whole audience just began to kind of slowly, as they begin to understand what he's saying, let this little chuckle and this little laughter begin to rumble through the audience. In other words, he's saying to the young man, yes, you may say, hey, I trust society, but when you go to bed at night, you lock your door. Why? Because you really don't trust society. If you trusted society, you just leave the door wide open because after all, if everybody had your morals, huh? if everybody said, oh, I don't steal, the problem is not everybody has our morals, right? Not everybody believes the same way. Right, So I can determine truth and I can say this. Here's what I believe. I believe, let me give you this example. I believe that life begins at conception and abortion is murder. That's what I believe. Now you may say, no, 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 that's not true. You may say that's, that, that's not a value that you should hold. I believe that a woman has a right to do with her body what she would. And it's just a, a blob and it's just a form of cells. And you say, well, okay, well, who's right and who's wrong? That's what you believe. And some would say, well, that's relative truth. See, it determines on the situation. It determines on on whether it was rape or incest. It determines on whether the woman is young and and she needs to finish her education. And and, and so she still can, can do what she wants when you want. But the word of God is what I turn to. It's not because I believe that way because I want to. It's because we have to look outside of ourselves because what's right and wrong for you may not be right and wrong for me. So I have to look outside of myself and say, hey, there has to be a standard. Where is the standard? Where is truth found? It cannot be found in ourselves. It has to be found outside of ourselves. So we look outside of ourselves and we say, what is the source of truth? And I look at this and I say, God is the source of truth. And this book tells me about God. It reveals to me who God is. See, I grew up in a church where my pastor would say over and over again, he would say, don't just believe what I say. You study this book and you make sure that everything that I say lines up with the word of God. And by saying that, what does he mean? He means this, you study, you determine, right? You look it up. You don't just believe everything that you hear. Make sure that everything lines up with this book. Pastor Tom Urso is one of our teaching pastors and he was actually one of my Bible professors when I was in Bible college. And we would ask him questions. You know, I was just a young guy. I was just a young guy. He was pretty young too. But, but I, I was just a young guy so I'd sit there. I was probably 19 years old and, and we were in class and, and people would ask questions and I watched him 
every time, every time somebody would ask him a, a, a question and say, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And what do you think about this? Because at the end, we always open it up for questions and he would never state his opinion. Every time a question would ask, he would always take his Bible and he'd say, well, let's turn to this. And he would begin to turn to pages and say, oh, this is what the word of God said. Not because it's my opinion, this is truth. And absolute truth is only found in God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. When I was in Bible college, I, I had a paper that was due. And I remember, remember doing this paper. You ever just do a paper in school and you just think you have aced that thing, man? You're so confident in yourself. You turn that thing in like, there you go, man. I got this. A plus coming back my way. And the professor gave it back to me. It wasn't Pastor Tom. Professor gave it back to me and it said C minus. And I think he was being kind. What he really meant was D, right? But he thought, well, I won't destroy this young man, so I'm going to give him a C minus. And he wrote at the top of the paper this changed my life. He said, Brian, you have a lot of words connected by very few scriptures. The next paper you write, I want a lot of scriptures connected by very few words. And I thought, if I could live my life that way, my life would be scripture after scripture walked out with very few words just connecting the scriptures, amen? Because I don't determine right and wrong. I'm not the source of absolute truth. I'm not the source of my own morality. There has to be an outside source that is greater, that has stood the test of time, that is living and relevant today in every culture. And listen, if Jesus tarries a thousand years, let me tell you, this book is still going to be here and it's still going to be relevant a thousand years from now. I don't care how many people come out and say, no, it's outdated. It's old fashioned. I'm here to tell you it's alive. Hallelujah. The word of God is alive. And the value that we hold dearest at this church, the value that we hold dearest is biblical authority that we see our world through the lens of God's word. You ever heard the scripture? The truth shall make you free. People quote it all the time. Do you know what it says right in front of that? The the first verse right in front of it. Right in front of it, Jesus is talking to Jews in John chapter eight. And here's what he says. He says, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Watch this. And then, the inference is, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Where do we find truth? Jesus said right there, truth is found in the word of God. When Jesus stood before Pilate, he started talking about truth. This was right before he was to get crucified. Pilate was the one who was to determine whether Jesus was to be crucified or not. 
And he starts speaking to Pilate about truth. And I think this, I think that something inside of Pilate, that word resonated with him. And he asked Jesus the greatest question that you could ever ask. He looks at Jesus, Jesus having been beaten, crown of thorns placed upon his head. And he looks at Jesus and he says to Jesus, what is truth? And then he walks out the door. He is standing before the source. He is standing before the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Not I have, I am. He is the word of God, Jesus himself. He is the source of truth. And Pilate, before he ever got an answer to the greatest question that you could ever ask, he walked away. If you're here today, I wanna just encourage you. If you haven't taken an inventory of your life lately, if you haven't looked and examined your morals, your beliefs, but it's so much more than that, your values, your time, and your money. I want you to take a fresh look today at the word of God. I want you to take a fresh look at this book. Doesn't mean that you cannot have questions or you don't look at something and you go, well, you know, there's certain things I don't understand. I can tell you this, there are certain things in this book I don't understand and I have been studying it all my life. You know, we sang a song as kids. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You say, well, that's great for kids, but I'm educated, I've got degrees, huh? I'm a seeker of truth. You can't just say to me, for the Bible tells me so. That's not good enough. Well, I'll tell you this. We sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells us so. That doesn't mean that we can't ask difficult questions. It doesn't mean that we can't seek out and and try to find the answers to the things that we don't understand. But I believe this. We as Christians cannot let what we don't understand hinder us from growing in faith and applying the things that we do understand. How do I know, huh, that I can lift my hands and worship? How do I know that I can lift my voice? How do I know that when I come into God's presence, he's there with me? How do I know that, that when I'm sick in my body, I can pray and believe God for healing and thank God that by his stripes I'm healed? How do I know that, that when I get up to face the day, that I don't have to face it alone, that God is gonna be with me? Well, how do I know all these things? Because the Bible tells me so. And even though there are things that maybe I look at and I go, okay, I don't fully comprehend all of that. I know this, if God's word says it, it is absolutely true all the time. It is not true some of the time. It's not true based on situations and circumstances. It is absolutely true all the time. All of my experiences, listen, have to line up with this book or the experience needs to change. Because this book cannot change. Amen. And so here's what I want to encourage you. 
If you have not placed value on this book, if you haven't spent your time in the word of God, opening up the scriptures and say, okay, God, show me truth. I want to know the difference between right and wrong, the decisions that I'm going to make, the right decisions, the wrong decisions. When I face this day, when I walk out that door or when I stay home and and I'm dealing with all the things that I'm dealing with, I need to know that the decisions I make are right. And so I need to find a place where I can open up this book and say, God, your word is truth. Your authority comes from these scriptures and I'm going to submit my value system to the truth of God's word.